This is day four of our retreat together. Today is an exploration of feelings. Firstly, I would like to reflect a little bit over the days once again with you. So, the priority on the first day, the mindfulness of the breathing experience, and sometimes to help facilitate and locate the connection with the breathing it can be useful purposefully, intentionally to make the breath a little bit longer and a little bit deeper to enable the life of the body the sensations which emerge from the contact of the air element with the cells to <coughs> be a clear and obvious to us and sometimes that intention and that little extra effort can drop and fade away then the relationship to the breath is one more of receptivity so there is a calm abiding in the living present we are not as it were going to the breath but rather uh, an abiding state of being, of being receptive to the breath as it comes in and goes out. <coughs> with the mindfulness of breathing, with that uh, receptivity, sometimes the breath is unusually mellow and quiet, barely perceptible, hardly noticeable. We can still stay. Uh, very calm and uh, receptive uh, to that so that the requirement of the body, of the organic life to bring in the oxygen and release as I say is very bare, bare experience if that is the case uh, for uh, some of you then with that calm abiding giving a little uh, uh, emphasis uh, there to uh, the stillness of that, stillness of the body, the general uh, silence of the being, in which very little tangible, shall we say, breath comes and goes. And <coughs> so our calm abiding is resting in the silence and the stillness and those two elements uh, very uh, clear and obvious uh, to us. It's not a matter of uh, controlling uh, in any way or trying to keep the stillness or the silence. It may just be that in short periods in your uh, meditations that there is a palpable uh, silence, a palpable sense of stillness and human consciousness is unusually and exceptionally receptive in the state of silence and stillness. What gives support to this uh, of the collective, that means uh, uh, of the Sangha, is our silence, is our quietitude, is our stillness of our moments. And of course sometimes there's some pressure and desire to uh, talk to uh, another and a very firm and 
clear request that any communication, any conversation with uh, Dora on all the practical details of things or with myself. But please, please do not uh, interrupt another person's meditation, another person's practice by start starting a conversation with her or him. It's the act of friendship <coughs> and kindness here uh, not to start a conversation with the other. Let her, him, let them do their practice because it takes one person to initiate uh, there. So the noble silence is an act of uh, support <coughs> for uh, each person here and that silence then can move to a deeper level of the being, a deeper understanding of what silence is. The Buddha himself was called Sakya Muni, the silent one of the Sakyans. He really understood and the great importance of silence. Initially, silence of the voice. Uh, secondly, the uh, silence of the body, meaning in this case that our actions and our activities, that all the small details we try to protect and give support to uh, the silence, whether it's in our room or opening doors or much, much more. Thirdly, there is the silence of the mind, and that means the uh, absence of thoughts, constructs and stories and so forth. All of that is rather minimal. And in, in that uh, silence there, there is an expansiveness there. And things, so to speak, are seen equally. And what I mean by that, it's not just me. It's not about self and uh, other uh, there. So the silence has a receptivity in which there is the reduction of identity with the self and things manifest equally and the care and the clarity can emerge out of that and certainly the acts of kindness and love. We explored as uh, well uh, the pains uh, of the body. It really is worthwhile making the expiration of uh, pain part of the practice because human beings experience it and for no other reason than that. And recognizing that our contribution, that means calm being, focused attention, interest and expiration can really can contribute to working uh, with pain. And all these uh, practices will develop the being with more resilience, more capacity to deal with painful situations, whether of the body or whether of other circumstances. The mind is being trained to look at something, work with it, change it, see what needs to be done, what steps. And it's a real development. They're uh, uh, much uh, encouraged uh, in the tradition, of course. With the uh, painful areas, sometimes it is important and necessary to see if we can find just enough space around it so it is not being exaggerated. And the non-exaggeration uh, of the pain gives it, uh, gives us really a kind of proper perspective on it. Yes, it's there. We're not in denial, but we're not exaggerating it. 
and recognizing, and as was touched upon uh, yesterday afternoon with the talk, that whatever arises, it can only arise, can only arise with causes and conditions. It can't <coughs> rise out of itself. It rises because all the variety of influences within and without which makes things happen. Therefore, if the causes and conditions are there for its arising, then if some of those or one of those causes and conditions ends, then it would change dramatically. And that applies to every habit, every addiction, every pattern, and it doesn't take much. Just one single change, a very simple, clear, obvious one is you're a smoker. Perhaps you've got 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 uh, years uh, there before the consequences of smoking kick in, namely cancer and other illnesses. And one realises, whoa, what am I storing up for myself in the future? What amount of stress and worry and anxiety am I leaving my friends and family uh, with because of one single habit there. Very simple, just changing a simple condition to stop it. One simply doesn't take hold of a box of matches or a lighter from oneself or another and doesn't use it. Addiction's finished. That's the end of it. One hasn't, didn't have to work on oneself. One didn't have to go into psychotherapy for a decade. To turn up on endless retreats. One just says, this hand is not going to be used to go to a box of matches or a light or somebody else's lit cigarette and move here. It's not that is stopping. The movement of the hand to something, to light something. It's over. Just one change of the condition, it's finished. One refusal, one is enough. I'd rather live than die in suffering. So sometimes in our meditations we see dependent arising. It might just be in this house of cards, so to speak. One small change in the condition and the whole thing collapses without working on it, oh why am I smoking, I was unhappy, I was depressed, I was angry, I was upset, I needed a fag to, to cool myself out, blah blah blah. Yes, 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 and you still continue smoking, or whatever. So we're just looking, you know, Buddha's keen on this, dependent arising, what is the change which is necessary, which is going to train, change the condition which liberates us from suffering. See it. Notice it, pick it up. And sometimes the obvious is so obvious we don't notice it. Like the example which I just gave to you. It's so obvious. And, and you know, one of the great, uh, great teachers of the 20th century, one, one of my top favourite spiritual books, back to the smoking, as you can see, I'm on a campaign about it. Uh, Nisargadatta, Sri Nisargadatta Maharaj and one of the great books of the spiritual books of the 20th century thoroughly recommended I am uh, uh, that 
And Maurice, Maurice Friedman from uh, France, who was a translator, Polish, uh, an engineer, student who practiced and, that, and spent time with uh, the great saint Ramana Maharshi. And there is Nisargadatta, he living in Mumbai there. Actually, in the, uh, it was interesting going for Darshan dialogue with him. It was right in the middle of the red light district. Uh, there someone would have to walk through this horrible situation, the plight of women and uh, men addicted to sex. And we go to uh, uh, meet with him, profound insights. He was also famous for smoking beadies. Beadies have a very high nicotine content. Great saint, great wisdom, smoked beadies, died from throat cancer. So in the causes and conditions which arise and have an impact. Uh, there, there are no exceptions to this. Sometimes people have real resilience in some area, whatever that might be there, but there may be consequences in other areas. So we want to really look at what are the causes and conditions primarily which bring about some problem for us, some worry and anxiety, some stress or whatever it might be. What is it that needs to change? If I can't see that clearly, because it's so close, like the hand very close to the face. I just can't see what that's going on there. Then contact with the other who has more space, who is not identified with it, who is not personally involved in it, who can possibly contribute to a little insight and understanding, get a little bit more space. Aha, I see. And it is not always, but quite often with us, that when there's happy and joyfulness and the sweetnesses of life and my goodness me these teachings offer joy, bliss, happiness contentment, appreciation gratitude, blessings love, friendship it's tremendous teachings on this and what is rather noticeable with us that when there is happiness and joy and bliss and expansion and love and friendship we don't put our hands on top of our head and say, why am I so happy? Why am I feeling so loving to everybody every day? Why is there such a sense of one's worth and value as a human being? My God, why am I feeling like this? Etc. But when there is difficulty, when there is a problem, the questioning will arise. What's going on with me? What's going on here? Why am I feeling like this? What have I done that this brought this about? So it's in the reflection and the inquiry and the questions, often into the suffering. But it has a deep importance. We need the feeling of unsatisfactoriness in life in order to change things. It doesn't often inspire us to happiness to change. Often we see something which is suffering, something which is unsatisfactory, and something inside of us touches it, I need to act, something needs to be done. And there's a huge numbers of organizations and groups and networks and sanghas and assemblies of people who really deeply are committed 
to change because they see the suffering, they feel the unsatisfactoriness of its condition then say, I want to change these conditions the Buddha says this is a noble way of life <coughs> that's what a noble way of life uh, embraces now with the feelings <coughs> there <coughs> and uh, the three kinds of feelings it has obviously part of the human experience feelings are important to us and the pleasant the unpleasant or painful and that realm or spectrum uh, in between with the pleasant uh, uh, feelings the outcome and the touch of those pleasant feelings may then enter, so to speak, into the realm or into the field, as I mentioned, happiness, joy, delight, pleasure, uh, comfort, receptivity, interconnectedness, gratitude, friendship, kindness, many, many, many expressions which has as a common phenomena the pleasant feeling in the experience. The pleasant feeling is in it. And we love, we're human, we love pleasant uh, feelings. It'd be a bit weird not to appreciate and enjoy the pleasant feeling. But easily it can lead in one or two, one or two areas. So for some, the pleasant feeling, the pleasure of, uh, the pleasant spiritual sensitivities uh, there, easily can trigger, happens regularly on retreat, trigger the imagination uh, there, and the outcome of that is lovely sweet ideas, and for some it could be shaving their head and becoming a monk, going to the jungle, going to the desert, to the uh, mountains, becoming a great yogi, and everybody coming for darshan afterwards. Whoa, can the mind run on one pleasant meditation experience and grab it? Rather than, here is a lovely experience, the thought may arise there, but of course it's the action, the movement and that movement may initiate more practice, more retreats, more exploration, a change of life, etc. But the confirmation of the validity of something is not in the pleasant experience. It may be really, really pleasant. It may have hours and hours of joyful and delightful and sweet uh, experiences but it's in the depth of the being which moves us to something new which gives the encouragement for a fresh adventure or whatever it might be it's the action which is doing the talking or the speaking uh, there so just be watchful of the ideas which come up in the mind <coughs> in the field of the pleasant 
the resource. <clears throat> and sometimes your experiences do lead on to something fresh and uh, new and all credit to you when that happens. But the same pleasant, when identified with strongly, can easily lead to habit. Consumerism depends on an, on, um, an unexamined mind. It has to. Consumer is dependent upon addictive behaviour. Consumerism and materialism is, de is dependent upon the habit or the addiction of getting more. And no better examples, of course, than uh, the mobile phones, their constant propaganda to get the new one, which is only a mild modification of the last one, with extraordinary prices being made at the expense of the factory workers, at the expense of the miners and their health and their uh, families who have paid pathetically low wages and we are charged pathetically high prices uh, there. It's discriminatory, it's distasteful and unfortunately we are mobile phone users including this person. Not easy to live with. Sometimes in the addicted, it starts off with the pleasant, we want more of it, we want that fashionable thing, we want that updated thing, uh, etc. We get very easily identified with that. And similarly with the unsatisfactory habits and patterns, food, gambling, sex, money, experiences, spiritual meditation otherwise, how easy the identification can come uh, in and then we are comparing what was with what is and that generates this more clinging and holding onto wow and it did <coughs> and it started off with the identification with a pleasant experience whether it's the alcoholic or the junkie, whether it's the endless pilgrimages to the sacred shrine called the refrigerator, and much, much more. It starts off with the pleasant, and one is needing to reinforce that sensation. And the consequence is all that we see. Potency of the mind to have be so strong it's destroying life on earth tragic isn't it it's tragic there is the insights from the pleasant the joys from the pleasant the appreciation that arises it stays and it passes and when we're okay with that we might settle back into a quiet equanimity quiet peace of mind recognising the preciousness of such experiences but we know there is no clinging to this there is no holding on to this there is no pursuit of more we've got more important things in life to do than just to try to keep repeating experiences until they deaden our consciousness sometimes there is the so called neutral that feeling which we might experience in which 
somebody might say to you, say to me, oh, how's your day? And we say, well, <coughs> not especially pleasant, not especially unpleasant. That feeling, take an interest in. Sometimes in that feeling, in its best sense, we can quietly stay with it. We're not pursuing the pleasant, we're not getting involved in the unpleasant, we're just staying there, and sometimes the staying there, it deepens itself. And from that neither pleasant nor unpleasant, there is a grounding, there is an equanimity, there is a staying steady between the pleasant and the unpleasant, and there is an okayness that it's not any special feeling at all, in terms of the pleasant or the unpleasant, spiritual or worldly, and we just stay with it. And it's okay to experience the absence of any pleasant feelings. It's okay to experience the absence of unpleasant or difficult feelings. There's an authenticity which is there, to recognise that. But there's a vulnerability as well. And the vulnerability in that neutral feeling uh, there, um, it can dull the mind. Um, it can be such we start to identify with it and we start to feel some dissatisfaction and it be turns into the unpleasant. Um, it might trigger and start some boredom. And when we are bored, another major, major contribution to the destruction of the planet, when we, when we are bored, we look for a sensation to stimulate us. It might come up as a memory, we start getting angry with somebody in our mind, or we start looking to eat more, drink more, um, uh, get a conversation going with somebody else to escape our dullness or our boredom, or whatever it might be. So we want to really take care and respect with this feeling, or the neutral feeling, and that it also can lead to problematic life. This is human life, it's human experience. And the third is the unpleasant, uh, uh, there. And plenty of things in our life are decisively, clearly, unambiguously unpleasant. Life is no picnic. And sometimes that hits us in the face, so to, so to speak. So it may be, as some of you are reporting, engaging in your meditations, sit, walk, stand and recline, and it can be a bit of a shock with what arises. One is grateful that there isn't the um, uh, possibility of, shall we say, projecting onto a big screen behind me all of the various states of mind that we have and supposing every thought and every image and every picture could be that goes on in our mind could be projected and others could see it straight away wow wow I wouldn't want people to know that wow one good friend of mine psychiatrist head of a hospital for psychiatry, lots of uh, patients, 
uh, there, decided that he needed to come on a retreat. And he sat there retreat and his comment was rather an insightful and telling comment he said I sat and meditated and he said I realized within a day or two that what was going on in my mind was no different from any of my patients that the only difference between my patients and myself is I didn't speak it, and they did. This is a humble, humbling experience. This kind of experience uh, shows a certain empathy with the other, a certain solidarity, that the gap between the psychiatrist who is the head of the hospital and the patients actually is very small. One is spoken, the other isn't. So sometimes in our uh, experience, there is the the uh, uh, unpleasantness, and sometimes, of course, some suffering, and in the variety of forms, states of mind, the fears, the blame, the anger, the neediness, or whatever. We really want to look at that. Recognize that the self is emerging uh, in all of that, and in a way, just to find enough space with it or around it, what is the dependently arising condition or conditions which will help to change this? That's the key. So, in the Buddha's language of this, he says, There is suffering in the world. Never said life is suffering, doesn't appear in the discourses, but he said there is suffering in the world. It is the truth of life. Secondly, this suffering arises due to the causes and conditions which make the suffering possible. The suffering could not possibly arise without the causes and conditions for it arising. Here, there, this, that, past and present, causes and conditions, and it can arise there. Thirdly, there is the resolution of it. Human situation of uh, suffering in the heart, mind, thought, experience can be resolved. Human being does not have to live this life with a suffering mind. And thirdly, there are ways to resolve the issues of suffering and this resolution of it amongst the many words and one which has stayed very popular of course Nirvana and Nirvana is the suffering to a very large extent (coughs) greatly and for some for all has simply disappeared out of the heart and mind just is not there and the reason it's not there because there's enough insight and uh, clarity to see the causes and conditions as mentioned sometimes just taking out one or two and that took out the suffering initially that may have been on a bit specific like the example I gave earlier concrete one sees wow this is possible why not 
if in the unpleasant experiences and the painfulness that one single or two couple of conditions primary or minor can just not be fed not be nourished as it were pulled out uh, there well surely that principle applies to every kind since it's all causes and conditions well just take out something just change something and that provides or confirms the realization of nirvana which literally means without fire the fire in the mind has gone out one is cool and wise and responding well to situations so finally practice today giving extra care can start right from the very beginning of the meditation sit, walk, stand or recline to what is the feeling there maybe very quiet as I said just being quietly steady with the bare feeling pleasant, neutral or um, unpleasant it isn't easy it certainly can be very subtle but our feeling lives do matter and just the practice of interest in what we are feeling does the practice of interest in that uh, feeling is the training that we'll be able to look and notice more easily and stay in touch with our feelings. If you find, if you look at yourself while here and you notice a pattern in your daily life, as an example, is to spend too much time in thought. And you, wow, my feeling life seems to be drying up, which is possible and it can dry up through lack of interest and attention. If you find you are reading too many books, you are accumulating too much information into your uh, mind, you're spending too much time in kind of alternative worlds of information, worlds, social media worlds or whatever. It may require, in the true spirit of the yogi, to let go of all of that, to give yourself, your being, an opportunity to feel. You may start your sentences in your daily life much more, this is what the feeling is, or if you wish, this is what I feel. And so the feeling life is really real taken an interest in and one is willing to let go and drop a lot of other things so that the feeling life we can go deeply into it because it would bring out the love it will generate the empathy it will allow us to explore and expand because we, we, are, we are human feelings as much as anything else and it's such an integral part of these uh, uh, teachings and so pleasant feeling unpleasant uh, suffering feeling or whatever being clear about that seeing what is healthy which can be developed and can emerge really noticing if it's leading somewhere unhealthy (coughs) habit, pattern, need desire, clinging Stay with it. And 
with the quiet depths of uh, all of that the self will be much more quiet and the uh, love will be much more free the best alright let's have a short sit together shall we Thank <clears throat>